0: Let me ask you something, Meredith. Have you actually ever been to Texarkana?
1: I've been through Texarkana. Have you?
0: Well, I did once. I built a time machine. It went back in time to the 1940s and committed a series of murders so someone would make a film one day and single handedly jumpstart the entire slasher genre.
1: So you're the culprit.
0: Damn right. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to Gritty Reboot. Yeah, woo! (laughs) I'm Pedro. I'm Meredith. And today we'll be talking about a pair of films. Today is the town that dreaded sundown. Not sunset, like I've been saying like an (laughs) idiot for (laughs) like a month.
1: You've been confusing the shit out of me. Yeah,
0: I know, I know. I kept saying sunset every time for no particular reason. So I guess the the thing about today is, first off, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody.
1: Yep, gobble gobble,
0: gobble gobble. That's right. We had a um, uh, a real beautiful feast today. Uh, we had a uh, turkey stuffing. Uh, Meredith was up very early making it. It was all fantastic. Wow. Yeah, it really was great stuff.
1: That was a lie.
0: <laughs> we uh, we were recording early here so we can be off on uh, Thanksgiving. And not have to worry about coming in here and having to record anything for you guys. So I was going to do a whole bit, the whole episode where Meredith was, I was going to ask you, how'd you do the green beans? Those were good. I was the pecan pie, but she sabotaged it in the first bit. <laughs> That's textbook Meredith.
1: You, you should have told me we were doing a bit.
0: I can't tell you we're doing a bit. I got to get the honest reaction from you. That's what the fans want.
1: I, I could be a star studded actress.
0: <laughs> Is that the case? Yes. All right, then. All right, then. Samuel P. Fuller, age 24. Linda Mae Jenkins, age 19. brutally attacked March 3rd, 1946. Howard W. Turner, 29. Lou Cook, 17. Bodies discovered... So, I guess I should ask you, um, how familiar were you with this film series?
1: I have never seen it.
0: You'd never seen it? Had you heard of it, though?
1: I had heard of it. Okay, I, I,
0: I didn't know if that was... One of those things, that I, I know a lot of people are almost so unfamiliar with the series there. Of,
1: it's got such a storied history.
0: It, it really does. It, it it absolutely does. Obviously, we're, we're talking about our first film here, um, and that's a 1975's The Town that Dreaded Sundown. 76. 76. I'm yeah. sorry, 76. See, I can't ever get these dates right. <laughs> so, um, this movie was made by Charles, not Dutton. <laughs> My notes have already failed me.
1: Charles B. Pierce.
0: This movie was made by Charles B. Pierce, and he was a very unique filmmaker. He had done a movie called, uh, uh, what, The Legend of Boggy Creek? Yeah. Right before this one. And that was in a very similar style to this, um, I guess, how do you put it? Um, Quasi documentary style film?
1: Yeah. In fact, um, some of the scenes shot in Legend of Boggy Creek is also in this film.
0: I- I'm not surprised by that. Very similar area, oddly enough. Yeah. If you've you if you're like, you know, if you've been through that part of Texas and Louisiana, they, they can look pretty similar. Yeah. So I, it's not that surprising at all. A lot of people come to Texas just sort of assume it's kind of like a desert or anything like that. But Texas actually has a wide variety of climates if you go from yeah. one side of the state to the other.
1: We have mountains.
0: Yeah, pure desert in El Paso. You got mountains up north in the Panhandle. You have flat area right through central Plains. Texas. And then you're going to get the marshes and swamps the by the time you're coast. in East Texas. Yeah. You got the beach. Um, there, there really is a wide variety of stuff here. But listen, this isn't an ad for Texas.
1: <laughs> this is, no, it's but, not. No, it's
0: not. Please go go to another go somewhere state. else. That's not true. I, I love Texas. I know you do. I do. That's right. The stars are bright deep in the heart of Texas. We missed time that clap a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> Hey, listen, we're, we're still getting the, the show together, doing it properly, all <laughs> right? We'll be on tour soon, just performing that song on a loop. So this movie starts out with narration. Yeah. And I just want to get it right out of the way. This narration sucks.
1: Yeah, it yeah. does. I, I can not needed. I
0: can't imagine in the 70s it went over that well, to be honest. This is just something he had done from his previous movie as sort of that mockumentary kind of horror style. Um, laying a template for something like Blair Witch way before that was even a thought in anybody's uh, head. I don't know how many movies had really used um, true crime as something to sort of base um, a very fictional movie off of like this. Obviously, there had been Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is roughly based off of Ed Gein. But notice I use the word roughly based.
1: Oh, loosely.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it takes a few elements from some of the things that Gein did. But, I mean, otherwise, Texas Chainsaw Massacre really doesn't have anything to do with Ed Gein at all. No. So, this movie is, or at least it's marked itself as being directly based off of the Arcana Moonlight Murders. Yes. And as we say that, this isn't exactly the most accurate version of the story that people tell about the Moonlight Murders. No. So, the movie comes right into the first murder sequence. There is what we would consider a huge cliche in the slasher genre.
1: Yeah, two people, two teenagers sitting they, in a car. Yeah, they're on it, lovers' lane. lovers' lane.
0: They even call it lovers' lane. Yeah, uh, which is what it was called, by the way, in Texarkana, So that's fair.
1: And then they observe somebody watching them.
0: Mm-hmm. The the old cliche: they see somebody watching them, and they continue to have their little romantic moment until they are confronted by the phantom.
1: Yeah it it appears that. Um, the girl ends up on the side of the road. Yes. And we don't really find out what happens to the boy until later.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, this is... um,
1: he, We just assume he's dead.
0: Yeah, we are left to to assume that. I know he has some days to recover in the movie, but it's not that big of a deal, in yeah. all honesty. Um, the movie timeline is a bit condensed. I, for some reason, the movie starts off with uh, on March 3rd, 1946, or whatever. Uh, but March 3rd was not the day. This, the murder actually took... This attack, it wasn't a murder. Uh, took place almost a month before what the movie says. Um, they changed that date to kind of, kind of compact everything together. Yeah. Um, because one of the things most people don't realize about Texarkana at that time is it was actually a, a pretty violent town. There was a lot of crime in Texarkana, which is why an attack of this nature was just kind of written off as just a, a robbery gone wrong, yeah. basically. Because in real life, uh, he used a, a gun a lot more than he used, uh, really, in the movie.
1: He used a thirty-two caliber pistol and a twenty-two caliber rifle. Allegedly. A lot of this is allegedly.
0: A lot of this is allegedly. Like, well, well, you, well. You,
1: we talked about this earlier, yeah. that even some of the eyewitnesses were, can be... It's not that they what they're saying is a lie or anything. It's just that there's some head injuries. There's some injuries that happen yeah, because that it, can affect you.
0: Exactly. Because in, in the real attack here, uh, the gentleman had his skull cracked. And uh, he was pistol whipped basically. And he was hit so hard that the girl thought he was shot. Like, that's how loud his skull cracked. Yeah. So, obviously, some of the things he might have said could have been a little bit off. So, we take everything here with a grain of salt.
1: The Texarkana Moonlight murders claimed five lives. Murders still remain unsolved, but it looks like there were three attacks um, over Lover's Lane in Texas. Mm -hmm. And then one isolated farmhouse attack in Arkansas.
0: Yeah. And it, we didn't mention this before, um, this takes place in Texarkana, as you can tell by the name. It is literally on the border of Texas and Arkansas. Yeah. It, the town is quite literally cut in half. Yeah, it's, exactly. it, it is technically two cities. It's not one. It's two. There's Texarkana on the Texas side and Texarkana on the Arkansas side. The movie doesn't really get into that, even though the, the reboot does a little bit. This movie is a big-time cult classic, even though it is a, a little bit ignored. And I I think one of the things that ages pretty poorly in the movie, besides the narration, is the comedy. Yeah. Yeah, um, because this movie is kind of a 1970s police procedural and a slasher movie, correct? Yeah. There is a lot of time spent with the police and how they're choosing to take on this investigation and look at it. And that leaves us spending a lot of time with the cops. One of the negative aspects of it is the cops also are the only source of sort of, I guess, comedic relief in a movie that is about very dark subject matter, and you wouldn't think needs comedic relief, but these filmmakers really thought that it did, and it ages poorly, and it it wasn't well-reviewed at the time.
1: Yeah, the comedy is real slapstick. It's like there's one instance where a cop fumbles keys, Mm -hmm. so... He misplaces his keys and...
0: Yeah, and yeah. they milk that gag for, for quite a bit, actually. Yeah. I, I don't really know why, but it, it, these are some of the decisions they chose to make, I guess, to not make the film so dark, I guess, and so grim. Because at the end of the day, you, you really are dealing with a movie that is about a vicious psychopath who was never caught.
1: Yeah. So First of its kind.
0: Yeah, you, you really do have to ease the audience into that. And I think that's another one of the things that is different from the actual murders is... The phantom in real life was a rapist. And that is really ignored in the movie. Right. I think there is, on the first attack, it mentions that he bites her breasts and her back. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the stand-in for sexual assault. Because he attempted to assault uh, the very first victim. But despite her boyfriend's head being cracked open with a gun, he was able to crawl to the road and flag down hell. And that's what saved her life, the... The girl always said, the Phantom saw the headlights and he took off. Yeah. So that saved the both of them, because they would have been probably killed that night had he not done that. And to the Phantom's credit, I mean, when he cracked the guy's skull, I'm pretty sure he thought he was knocked out or or, 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 dead. or, or dead, yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure the Phantom was more shocked than anybody else to read like, wait, that guy survived? And so this leads into the, the second murder, basically, which is a little bit more accurate, in all honesty, uh, to what what, it, what actually occurred. But I think the thing that I take away from this movie more so than anything else is it's a movie about a town as yeah. opposed to a movie about a character. Because there kind of isn't a main character in this movie, which seems strange, but there just isn't one, right?
1: Yeah, uh, Texarkana is the character of this movie.
0: Exactly, yeah. It, it, it reminds me a lot of something like uh, Silver Bullet or Scream. Now, those are two very different films, but those are movies that are basically kind of about like the effect of a killer on a small town. Yeah. Uh, Scream doesn't get a lot of credit for that Because that element's completely left In the first movie
1: I forget N- the name of the town in Scream Woodsboro, too. Woodsboro Yeah, we
0: grew up next to it Yeah, I uh, know yeah, our, our, our local rival town was Woodsboro And I always thought of that during the Scream days When those movies came out But yes, th- that movie's about how Woodsboro Deals with those murders and, and what exactly they're doing to that entire neighborhood
1: Yeah, okay So we get a- Another young couple Going to park. Mm-hmm. Cops head down nearby road, and hear some shots. The cop finds a car and gets out and hears more shots. Yeah. So he keeps investigating. Then he finds the young couple dead. Yeah. So we have a lot of different murders in this movie.
0: We we, we really do. And I, I guess let's um you know, we can we can go down. This is not a true crime podcast. But since this is something based off a of true crime, this is the first time I did it. And to be honest, when I did my research, I did way too much of a deep dive into the actual crime here and realized that wasn't going to do me any good in really discussing the film. But I sort of wanted to be well-versed in it for you guys. But I, I think the um, the movie's most infamous kill, I, I think what, what is intriguing is the way it's portrayed in the movie with the trombone death. Okay. Which is... Famous, or infamous, as you want to put it. Um, And if you are told that somebody's murdered with a trombone, that sounds like the silliest thing in the world, correct? Yeah. And, I mean, how do you feel about it? I know I've I've sort of joked about a trombone death for a long time, and this would be the first time you actually would have gotten to see it, you know, actually in the movie. I don't even know if you've seen the clips.
1: Well, I can tell you, if we're going to jump around, I can tell you that um, the trombone death in the 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 reboot is much better it's more grittier um yeah this death is kind of cheesy
0: yeah yeah i mean (laughs) it it really is it's i love the reputation i
1: don't know why a trombone
0: Uh, yeah because in in real life she was a saxophone player yeah yeah so they they changed that she was a saxophone player and that was one of the things they tried to use to find the phantom and it didn't work but they, um, they switched this to a trombone. I, I, I'm assuming one of the filmmakers had a great idea. I, I tried to look, look for any information about it, and I couldn't find anything that was like, oh, man, I was obsessed with trombones or anything like that. So it, it, um, it made things... I mean, it is an interesting death. I, I certainly will say that. But it, it always made me chuckle more so than anything else.
1: What do you think about the motive of the killer?
0: Hmm, that, that, that is a, a good question. Uh, from the movie I, I do like that he is just sort of evil incarnate he just sort of drops out of the night sky and aggressively you know just attacks people and as far as a motive goes there you know he just likes violence
1: yeah we don't really know his motive and we don't obviously don't know the the original killer's motive either because he wasn't caught
0: yeah and, I mean
1: I guess he, rape maybe but I mean, mean he, he
0: did try to rob um well, the first victim, he asked him to take his pants off, so I, I, which I'm guessing is so he could rob him. I mean, who knows what else he had planned? But the second victim, he was found with his pockets turned out. So yeah, a theft does appear to be high on the list of things that he was actually going for.
1: Yeah, but you you don't kill somebody; you kill somebody for a reason. Yeah, there's got to be a motive. So unfortunately, we just don't know what the motive is. Well, I
0: mean, to be perfectly, and the, and the
1: movie doesn't really.
0: We don't we, we don't know how. These things started. I mean, he could have been going there to simply rape and, and rob. He wore a mask, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I mean, if you wear a mask, that means you don't want people to know who the hell you are. Right. And the reason for that is you're probably not going to kill. You're going to leave them alive. You know, un- unless he just, you know, was way ahead and just thought of the theatricality of the moment. But, you know, with that being said, you-, you would honestly believe that he had some intention of leaving these people alive so he could escape with his identity still unrevealed.
1: What do you think of the police investigation? In the movie,
0: so I think one of the things I, I've always enjoyed about the, at least the, the the police element in the movie is like I talked about earlier, like it's more of a of a 70s cop procedural. So there is a lot of attention paid to a criminal investigation that really went nowhere in real life, and which I think is interesting. Like we spent a lot of time with those cops, and in reality, they they didn't solve anything. And I mean, in the movie, they don't really solve anything either. They just kind of stumble upon the Phantom near the end. I do like that they spend a lot of time with them, but I would heavily criticize the fact that most of that time is spent in comedic relief. Yeah, and I think that that's that's the big thing. I think. Well, I mean, I just I'll get right down to it. I have always had a real soft spot for this movie, and I've always really respected it. But I, I did not enjoy this viewing of. The town that dreaded Sundown. Really? This movie isn't very good. It wasn't very good in 1976. It's not very good in 2022. Tonally, kind of all over the place. You're getting those comedic sequences. You're getting documentary sequences. Uh, You're getting these brutal kills. And the movie can pick up some momentum and and be kind of nice, but it is the definition of a cult movie by how uneven it is.
1: Yeah, I I didn't think it was as bad as you thought. Yeah, yeah. I, this is the first time I saw it, and um, I didn't think it was that bad. I can certainly see the beginnings of, you know, the slasher genre.
0: And that's more of what I appreciate about it because if anybody here is a huge Friday the Thirteenth fan, yeah, you look at Jason in Part Two, and who does he Hello. look like? He looks like the Phantom, and, and that's a really big deal. And we talk about this a lot. And one of the things that that happens in in seventy eight. Uh, with Halloween, I, my my math could be off. They could be 77. But it, once Halloween comes out, everyone's going to kind of follow the template that that movie sets. And I, I like this era of horror movies in the 70s when the template hadn't really been set for what slashers were going to grow and to become. And yeah. this, this movie doesn't have that, which I like. It has that kind of raw feel to it of something that was produced out of real love and not necessarily a cash-in on what was super popular at the time.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, this really did set out to be a quasi-true-crime film and a bit of a horror movie. And I, I think the tone that it hits n- never really works for me just because of everything that, that kind of goes on in the movie. But I, I horror-wise, what it sets up, I think, is, is really fascinating because we get probably some of the more intense uh, kill sequences here, even if they aren't particularly violent or bloody. Yeah. Yeah, because it's really not a lot of gore in the movie
1: no not a whole lot at all
0: yeah it's it's just not that kind of also it would probably cost money <laughs> yeah if we're being perfectly honest so I hear you yeah just it's, it's just really not that that kind of film to be perfectly honest
1: what do you think about the killer's body count in this movie
0: so what do we have we have two salts to start the mm-hmm. the film and then we have four murders and then uh two couples killed mm-hmm and then we have the married couple. The husband is shot twice, dead. The woman also shot twice, but survives. So we have a five body count in this movie. And that's another thing that I kind of enjoy. Like the Phantom kind of failed to kill a lot of people. If we're, if we're being perfectly honest, like there's a lot of people that get away in this film and that's not something we get in slasher flicks, right?
1: Well, when it comes to a murder or murderers, um, especially when they're starting out, they're bumbling idiots, you know, they're fumbling and bumbling. They're making mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's not until time persists where they get better. And this is this killer. Yeah. He just started killing people in a small amount of time in Mm -hmm. a, in a small town. Yeah. And he's perfecting his, his modus operandi.
0: Yeah. I, Now, I agree with you on that one, that he is sort of learning on the job. And that's that's fine by me. Like, he's aggressive. He makes mistakes. You know, he tries to dive into vehicles with glass still exposed on the the window that he just shattered. You know, he's an impulsive, violent man. He's
1: very impulsive. And
0: I I mean, I I like that portrayal because, in all honesty, once we really get into the slasher craze, like they they all sort of become Michael Myers, you know, until we get Freddy Krueger and then they all try to be Freddy Krueger. So, to see somebody like this is a little bit more interesting because, first off, obviously, the Phantom is a human. He is not supernatural in any way, shape, or form because he really did exist. But, and even then, the, the movie could have taken license and it doesn't do that. It keeps things very grounded in reality and has this, you know, violent guy. You know, he doesn't even, like I said, he, he fails to kill a lot of people. It's an interesting portrayal in that respect. And I did like that.
1: Yeah, I did too. Since we talked about the police investigation, did you feel any different towards the police investigation towards the end of the movie? No. So you felt the same throughout? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Um, I mean, th- there's there's a few nice moments, and, you know, I mean, that, that's about it, really. There's a couple nice moments here and there uh, between the cops as things go on. The, the Texas Ranger character is, um, I, I guess, one of, one of the more interesting characters in the movie. However, I, I will say this. In real life, that that character wasn't really helpful to the investigation, in all honesty, even though he was incredibly famous. He was a very well-known Texas Ranger. His name escapes me right now. I have to check my notes for it, and I don't have them. (laughs) Do you Uh, have it? you going to save me here? Save me, woman!
1: Yes, I had it. Yeah, um, I don't... uh, Gosh, I can't see it in my notes, but I know I wrote it down somewhere. Who that guy
0: is yeah yeah and he was uh, like said, so very infamous at the time had crazy uh methods and he was a big fan of calling press conferences and courting the media so that is something else to keep in mind as well ab- about the character and some of that kind of translate to to his film version as well but it's not exactly there, there isn't a real great character in this movie which is the downside of it being about a town if anything tex arcana is the only character that's interesting
1: this movie was shot in anamor- anamorphic 35 millimeter Panavision. How do you feel about the way it was shot?
0: It was shot anamorphically? You anamorphically. sure about that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh, it doesn't look anamorphic. Huh. I thought
1: it was weird too. That's why I wrote it down.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, anamorphic has a, a really unique look to it. I, I would, I would, I'd have to check. I, you know, to be honest, I usually check tech specs, and I, I did not with a movie this low budget. Um, that's pretty impressive. They were able to shoot anamorphically on the kind of budget they were, especially as early as the movie took place because it was a big deal when Carpenter did in Halloween, uh, especially at their budget level. So I mean, the movie does have a great look to it. We were lucky enough to um, we were lucky enough to catch the movie off of um, Shot Factory's fantastic transfer. Uh, the movie looks great. It really does. Um, whatever uh, stock this was shot on. A lot of the scenes really look fantastic, and you can see the times they miss focus and stuff like that. <laughs> Clear as day mm-hmm. in uh, in 1080p. I, it really looks good to be yeah. The honest.
1: the copy that we watched looked really good.
0: Yeah, I mean you're just not really dealing with the issue anymore of finding any kind of cult movie with the slightest amount of recognition that's going to look like crap anymore. You're just not finding that problem. You know, a lot of great companies. You know, from starting from Anchor Bay in the late 90s to Shout Factory today, and places like that Arrow have really done a fantastic job giving us great transfers and versions of these movies with even really awesome special Mm features. So this movie has, like I said, a a a cult status, originally sort of reviled in the town of Texarkana. Now the movie's utterly embraced in Texarkana.
1: Yeah, they do a... a uh, ho- basically a holiday every year mm-hmm, around yeah. Halloween they show it.
0: Yeah, it, it, they always have sort of like a drive-in. It's the last movie always shown at, at their drive-in festival uh, before Halloween or on Halloween. And it's something I think anybody can head and go to. It, I think it's an interesting thing to head to that town and be able to see the movie it's famous for. Yeah. You know, a very interesting thing. And and to me, that's the, the lasting legacy of the movie is keeping Texarkana and this... A very famous case in the limelight. As you're talking about an unsolved murder from the 40s, I don't think anybody would really even remember or talk about it except for the biggest diehard true crime guys. But the story lives on because of this film. Yeah. As odd and low budget as it is, you know, it still lives on, you know, because of that. And the legacy of this film led to a very unique sequel/slash reboot. Um, that I think is probably one of the more Unique directions for any reboot that, that we've covered or seen. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other things you want to talk about with the original film before we start moving into the the reboot?
1: No, I think uh, I think everything was covered. Yeah. Oh. Do you remember anything about the murders? Your great grandpa and your great grandma lived in this house when it happened. He was the bully man, they said. Can't catch so, the
0: years later, He'll we be- get. Uh, a Ryan Murphy produced reboot or, or sequel basically to, to this movie. Uh, this is what as a reboot goes, this is a true meta sequel.
1: Yeah, it's very meta
0: because this movie takes place in our world where the town the dreaded sundown was a movie that exists and the Phantom existed as a real person. It is basically in our reality. Once the movie begins, it waves bye bye to our reality, but the film does still start off in that place. And, and I think that's very unique. We we start off in a screening, like yeah. we just talked about. That's where we're at. We're we're at a drive-through, and that leads to this rekindling of of the old killings again by a new phantom.
1: Yeah. The there's a girl and a guy, and they're at the movie theater watching the movie. And the girl doesn't like scary movies, so she asked if she could, they could go, and they go and they park. Yeah. And that's where we start the movie. Is we have two young teenagers parked. And then the phantom appears, mm-hmm. and he makes them get out of the car. And he asks the guy to take off his pants, and then get on the ground.
0: An element from the real killings.
1: He proceeds in stabbing him like a bajillion times. Yeah, uh, brutally. It's a brutal attack.
0: Yeah, you, you, uh, the, He asks the girl to turn around, and she's able to see yeah. the entire attack in shadow. Yeah,
1: she. He he tells her not to turn around, and she yeah. does it anyways. And uh, she takes off into the woods, after, and then he catches up to her and gives her a message and that's the starting sequence which i thought was really cool.
0: Yeah, this movie the start of it is fantastic. Yeah, it I, starts well. Yeah, i absolutely love the way this this movie just gets up and goes. Um Alfonso Gomez-Rejon i think his visual style and flair sets this above a, a lot of other remakes that came out at the time. Like the chase sequence, like the way they shoot the phantom walking through the woods is really terrifying. It makes him look imposing. I I, I think the way a lot of that stuff is shot is really fantastic. Yeah. The movie has a great look to it for being a, a bit of a budget picture. I mean, I say independent. This movie was still produced by Jason Blum, Blumhouse Productions. You guys all know that. And Ryan Murphy of American Horror Story and almost any FX show you've seen over the last 15 years. Fame. You know, I mean, th- this movie did have some money going into it. I mean, you even look at the cast. Uh, besides our leads, you know, we have uh, Veronica Cartwright, you know, Anthony Anderson. Uh, you know, these are two guys. Uh, Gary Cole don't normally show up in very low-budget independent horror movies, correct? Right. But that—that that is exactly what happens here because this was probably predicted to be a bit more, even though if it didn't really get that that kind of release. But the the quality that you get from the acting and the cinematography really elevates this film above anything. They came out really in this time, in, their, in this reboot craze, in my opinion. Especially of these style of slasher films.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the killer's brutality in this movie?
0: I dig it. I really do. Me I, too. I, yeah, I, I enjoy how kind of a nasty, violent guy he is. Because the original, he's nasty and violent. But now they have the money to show off a, a more of the kills and more of the gore. And give audiences a little bit more what they are expecting in, in 2015 or 2014. What was this again? 2014. 2014. I was right first time. 2014, and, and so I, I think you really do get some interesting kills and some really nice horror sequences. I think the first kill dwarfs what's done in the first movie by a, a pretty large margin. Like I just talked about, how she's running through the woods, and I think the second kill is a soldier returning home from, uh, returning home with his girlfriend. Right. That's that's the second murder. Right. Or the I guess the second attack. Yes. Yeah, I think that sequence is, uh, uh, while it, it's a little over the top when he when he just kind of smashes a severed head into the window, what I love is the girl escaping out there and breaking her leg, like her bone coming right out of the leg and trying to crawl away. And, and she has to try to shift with her leg bone completely shattered like that. So brutal. I mean, you you feel really bad for it. It's, it's another great sequence in this movie.
1: Yeah, and then you have the trombone kill, which I thought was a lot better done. It wasn't so cheesy. He really thrusts the trombone, and he actually tries to play it. Which is unrealistic, because yeah. you,
0: you wouldn't get the wind through the, the mask. No. You wouldn't be able to put your lips on it to form it. Which is it's accurate in the first one. You wouldn't get any sound out of that at all, except for the, the knife hitting the person. And, I, you know, I like the way that one is done, too. Because one of my big, and we talked about this while we were watching this, kids are stupid, but... How fucking stupid do you expect me to believe a teenager is when there's a murder going around? However, you have two uh, gay kids. They are obviously repressed and looking for any opportunity to indulge. And so this is the only opportunity they might have to get away and try and do something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So it makes sense why they would be out, why they take that kind of risk. You know, they don't have that opportunity and they're horny as fuck. Mm -hmm. So they've taken this and and Rise are about to start the... (laughs) They're literally working out the details of blowing each other. When they are ambushed by the Phantom, in and, and, and we before this we, we get a guy killed, so we are get lulled into a false sense of reality, right? Yes. <laughs> and we have, uh, just I mean I, I I love the way that whole sequence is done. I really do.
1: Absolutely. How do you feel about the meta ness of this movie?
0: Well, I do, I do enjoy it to a, a pretty large degree because I think it's kind of made for horror fans. However, as the movie goes on, I think they get a little less mileage out of that.
1: It's too winky.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. That's a good way to put it. And also, that, that is the general problem with the movie. Is this, it, it's only like an hour and 24 minutes, and this movie runs out of gas at some point. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really does. We'll get there when we get there, but the, 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 that meta stuff is really intriguing early on, showing the parallels from the, new, from the old sequences to the new all that works incredibly well. Anthony Anderson sitting down to have to watch the murder and, you know, his Texas Ranger character very much uh, apes what the the one was in the original. And, and Anthony Anderson's really good. But, you know, once again, as the movie moves on, it's a little bit diminishing returns.
1: Well, Lone Wolf, Wolf Morales is a composite name between real life Texas Ranger Captain Lone Wolf Gonzalez yeah. and J.D. Morales.
0: So that was the guy that was the dude.
1: Yeah, I yeah. had it written. You had it there. I told the you party, I had it written, you know? written yeah, down.
0: Yeah, you did. Yeah, no, I, I remembered. I remembered Lone Wolf was was a part of, it, but I didn't remember his his actual name.
1: And it's Gonzales spelled G O N Z A U L L A S. Oh, really? I'm completely Gonzales.
0: unfamiliar with that spelling. Yeah, yes. Yeah, Maybe. I, I wouldn't. I would never guess it was said Gonzales though. So.
1: I, I just assume it's Gonzalez, just a different way Yeah, to no, because I, I heard it, but I've it's got heard... two L's in it, so I don't know if it's Gonzalez.
0: No, it's it's a Gonzalez because I I listened to a podcast earlier where they talked about the murders, and that's oh, how okay. they said it. Unless okay. unless that guy screwed it up, you never really know when you just read something, guys. That's how it works out.
1: Do you think the movie is a fan service to itself, being meta?
0: <laughs> you mean like the movie circle jerking to itself, yeah. basically? I mean, kinda. I mean, if we're going to be perfectly honest, I mean, that that is sort of what, it's a very self-indulgent... That's
1: why I wrote the question down. <laughs> yeah, it's a
0: very self-indulgent sort of film in that respect. I, I don't hate that element of it. And I, and I think you, you can kind of nail a movie like that. You know, I think I mean, they're tough to do. And th- this isn't like adaptation where someone is doing something very clever with the idea of revisiting an idea or something like that. It's not quite up to that level. I think it has great meta winks to the camera early on and is a really well done slasher movie to a certain point
1: yeah i I think the movie is a great slasher yeah um, it's a definitely a gritty reboot what we always talk about in yeah
0: hundred percent yeah because like the kills are are nastier, the environment's nastier like everything is the the stereotypical gritty reboot, except it's kind of a sequel
1: now ensconced in this movie is a love story yes. How do you feel about the love story? Throw it out. Throw it out.
0: Throw it out. The second we start spending time in this love story, it, the things really begin to fall apart on us. And I mean, I, I won't mix words. I, I This movie runs out of momentum so hard, it, it, it would really cause me to not recommend it because of of just how poorly things really come together. And the love story is another element of that. Like if a film is a hunt, it is, pardon me, if a film is an hour and 24 minutes long, I don't expect you to be wasting time to get to certain uh, set pieces.
1: And that's the way I feel, too, that they yeah. wasted time. Yeah,
0: the, the movie is just... Because like, the
1: ending is just like, boom, there you go. There's your ending. Bye. Yeah,
0: that's it. We're directly out of there, and then and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it, it doesn't work. I mean, we'll, we'll get there in a sec, but... It's just one of those things like it just I, I couldn't believe how much this movie ran out of gas at like the hour and five minute mark.
1: Did you know that Thomas Mann was considered for a role in this film?
0: I don't know who that is. Oh. <laughs> Who's Thomas Mann?
1: Um, I don't know who that is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of him.
1: I thought you would know no. being the film guy. No. <laughs> uh, Dennis O'Hare voices narration for this movie.
0: Well, he's in the movie. Yeah. he's in the But movie, he I also voices the narration. He's yeah, a fake person.
1: And the, the lead actress, Addison Timlin, this isn't the first time she plays a survivor blamed for letting people die. In a movie she's in called Fallen in 2016, she survives after making out with a guy who suddenly a fire starts and uh, she's blamed for that death as well.
0: I've, I've never seen her in, uh, in I've never that. seen her in anything. She was in Californication. She oh. was in Californication a, few, a, a couple of years before this movie came out. So when I saw this movie, I was like, oh, it's Addison Timlin. I, I recognized her, and, and she did... <laughs> I won't mix her She did nudity on that show, and, and the clips of her have lived on far beyond Californication ever has. I, they're probably shared daily on, you know, uh, Tumblr, 4chan, Reddit, and Twitter, and all those places. So it's a very famous clips. Yeah. And at least that was my familiarity with her. And I think she's good in this movie. The The problems with her character are not related to acting at all. Not, not in the least. It's really how all the characters are written.
1: So... There are two of them. And by two of them, I mean there are two killers.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, before we, I, I guess, let, let's let's talk about what, what's done here with, with the killers here that, that, to me, sinks the movie. Uh, one is, and I don't know if you were going to get to it earlier have a question about it, but there is a vigil earlier in the film. Yeah. And another character shows up. He's dressed like the Phantom for some reason. And he is gunned down instantly by another character, which is fine. The town is paranoid. I don't have an issue with that. I have an issue with the sequence sort of inserted into the movie. You know, like, as, as it ended, I was like, what an odd scene. I know the movie isn't over at this point. And the only reason that I think it sticks out as even stranger to me about everything is that in the end of the movie, when the movie is run out of momentum, bad. And we need something to latch on to. The movie just reuses the twist from Scream and gives us two killers. And it absolutely does not work at all. Because honestly, no, it really doesn't. everything about the investigation about who the Phantom is completely falls flat. Yeah. Everything about it. I don't care. I love Dennis O'Hare. Nothing in that worked. Like him talking about his father's legacy and all that kind of stuff and how it figured into all these other things. Like, I'm like, who gives a shit? This isn't about what happened to the other. We were trying to do a murder mystery in this one.
1: We didn't need to to know who the killer is either.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like,
1: I I think that
0: element, that is something they should have echoed from the original to never, ever find out. Because that's a scarier idea. I mean, the movie gives us these two killers, dispatches them incredibly quickly in an unsatisfying finale, and ends with Addison-Timlin narration, correct? Yep. And I mean, that that's all that we get. We don't get anything else to really chew on after any of these revelations are made. We don't know what it did to the town. We, we don't learn any of that. It's like everything is thrown away. The police that we spend all that time with early on, they're completely thrown away so when we get into the third act, so we can get into what it is that they did in the movie. So Anthony Anderson and all that stuff, you know, Mike Lumber getting shot in the eye. N- none of that pays off into anything
1: mm-hmm.
0: because the police investigation is pointless, worthless because she solves it.
1: Yeah. How do you feel about the police investigation the, in this movie? Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, it's in the beginning. It's, it's fine because I think it has great. There's a great scene where the survivor comes in Addison. I, I forget what character name is, It's not important. Jamie. Jamie. I'm going to call her Addison Timlin because that's how I know her as. Anyway, mm. she she goes there. <laughs> get out of here with your facts. <laughs> I know. God. She um She's talking to the cops and she's sort of laying out her theory. And Mike Lumberg is not having it at all. He's eating his soup. He's, you know, just dismissing every idea she has while everybody else is either trying to humor her or legitimately listen. I think the, Lone Wolf. Lone Wolf, thank you. He wants to hear what she has to say. He wants to get her perspective. And when she throws her theory out there and it kind of falls flat, another one detective comforts her and is like, hey, we had the same idea. You know, we Mm -hmm. had the same idea. I can see where you're going, but it just doesn't work. I like that. I do, because that's something a a little bit different. And that's her getting sort of smacked in the face by what reality is in an investigation. Is like when I I read all this true crime stuff and these guys are like, we're going to solve the Zodiac. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, guys who it was their job to study that and look at every piece of evidence couldn't solve it. You're not going to. Yeah. Sorry. And this movie delivers that lesson only to just throw it away in the third act and have her solve the crime. So, it doesn't matter, and it negates itself by what occurs later on, just so they can get to a quick and speedy finale. Yep.
1: The, just the finale is, and it has a weird happy ending.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does have a strange happy ending to, to the film. You know, when, when when the first movie ends properly, you know, because I think in, in the original film, they very much could have cheated reality and <laughs> given us a phantom, you know, given us a, a satisfying conclusion of him being caught. Right. Mm-hmm. And We don't get that. We, we get now they never, ever had like a train fight like they showed in the original film that mm-hmm. was made up, but the phantom still escapes and is never caught in that movie. So I think that's that's great. You know, they they kind of just rode the line of reality and and. and Gave us something interesting. The, the what this movie does in its finale is just it's just so pointless and banal. I mean, yeah. it really is. I I I I don't know if there's a movie that I've loved for an hour and hated for thirty minutes more than this one.
1: Okay. Do you have anything else you want to talk about?
0: You know, in all honesty, I I don't really know what what else I, I'd bring up about this movie. Um, other than you know, once once again, if you're an American Horror Story fan, I think you, you'll find a little something to appreciate in here because it does have. I kind of feel that those movies do because yeah. Ryan Murphy does produce. And, and it is a, a well done slasher movie up, up until it's ending. And God knows I've seen slasher movies end a lot worse than this one.
1: The movie has a really great beginning yeah. and it has a pretty solid middle. It just has a shitty end.
0: Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that's why it's a very kind of a light recommend for me. If you're a horror fan or if you appreciate the original film due to what happens in the finale, as I've said, I've seen movies with worse endings before. But this movie sort of sticks out to me. Is, I can't think of a film that I was like, dude, I'm in love with this movie and cooled on so quickly. Really the the biggest mark against it. So
1: I like the movie. So
0: I'm I'm, I'm, I'm glad you did. Like I said, I, I give it a very light recommend.
1: I recommend both movies.
0: That's good. That's good. Listen, the, I don't think you're really going to go wrong as a horror fan watching these. Mm. You just have to be warned about how dated the original is.
1: Yeah, it's dated, but you can see a lot of the beginnings of slasher culture.
0: Yeah, exactly. You can see, and a lot of true crime as well. Yeah, you know, like we we have talked about this, you know, recently. Like, you know, this movie was made in 75... The original was made in seventy six, right? It's
1: like the Poughkeepsie tapes.
0: Yeah, well, I, I was comparing this to Dahmer because the Dahmer murders all happened in the early eighties, right? Yeah. So how, how we're you know thirty plus years, forty years away from that, correct? Mm-hmm. So you know, and that's around the same time it was between the original murders and with this less time actually, almost uh, a little over thirty years, correct? Yeah. So. I think it, it, it's interesting to note that, like, this movie could be made without people batting an eye and about true crime and using a murderer for entertainment. And people didn't really mind. I mean, I know they changed the names in the original, but, like, it just wasn't a, a big deal, really. I think more people were upset about the fact that it wasn't 100% a true story to what really occurred. And, you know, now I, I think you, you've seen a, a backlash against true crime being used as entertainment and i think this is one of those launching points for true crime as horror entertainment yeah because i just don't think that was something i think true crime was documentary style you know and you would take some inspirations from and i think this movie really began the idea of no we can just tell murders straight and directly how they happened or just take some liberties here and there to make it fun and interesting
1: well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but um, spoiler alert, that's kind of how uh, Ryan Murphy does his new season of uh, American Horror Story. Yeah, yeah. He very much takes the horror from true crime.
0: Yeah, and, and listen, there's, I, personally as an artist, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I think you're allowed to draw really inspiration from anywhere, but you got to be mindful about the people who you know, could watch it and be like, oh, hey, look, they're dramatizing the death of my great uncle. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. You know, because
0: these are still real people who live through these events. And a Mm -hmm. a lot of these, uh, you know, these murders, they echo throughout, you know, generations, you know, where they've ruined families and things like that. So there are always tolls that come from telling these kinds of stories. And it's something that wasn't considered then. And has to be handled much more carefully now. As even, like I said, dissecting a real famous case like Jeffrey Dahmer, Took a lot of criticism, even though, in all honesty, I thought that was a fairly, I thought it was a pretty good portrayal, in all yeah, honesty. It, I thought it was. Yeah, because I, I didn't think they romanticized the man at all, like I've seen a lot of other films do with real serial killers. So I I, I did appreciate that. But it is just something to look back on of, uh, you know, the horror beginnings in this movie, all those things that sets up for that genre, and true crime. Yeah. A very unique sort of pivot point for those two genres, and a point where they came together.
1: All right, so reviews for the 1976 version. I'm
0: very curious about this.
1: User reviews are 3.8, 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6 out of 10 on IMDb. And then I have a one-star review here. Okay. Are you ready? Hillbilly slasher film. prescient in its presentation, perhaps, though no better as a production, simply for being an early precursor to the dead teenager movie genre. By the way... He used the word prescient, and he deserves a medal for that, because that's a good word. Oh,
0: yeah, it is a good word. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
1: Anyways, based on the 1946 Texarkana Moonlight Murder story, follows the fruitless efforts of the Arkansas police force to trap and apprehend a hooded sadist who attacks, tortures, and often kills sweetheart teens in parked cars. Ben Johnson, playing a no-nonsense Texas Ranger, summoned in lead the, hunt, the manhunt, is introduced to us as a legend, a man among men yet his tactics don't seem any better than those employed by the local law. Narrated by Vern Stearman in somber tones, much like a Twilight Zone episode, the picture is a cheap and pedestrian piece of goods, unpleasant in the extreme, with the boys being clubbed over the heads and screaming girls crawling through meadows and cornfields. Some of the point-of-view photography was ahead of its time, yet the handling in general is so awkward and the victims are viewed so unsympathetically by the filmmakers that indifference is finally sets in without genuine suspense the, the, the without genuine suspense the movie amounts to little more than target practice hmm. i thought it was a really well written yeah no
0: i certainly think so and i can't argue with anything that he says like i like i said i have a soft spot for the movie because of its cult status but i mean it, it is a fair point it's amateurishly made and there's a lot of mistakes made in the movie that really hurt the actual pacing and and how it works. So I, I think it's a fair critique. I very much do. I a a lot of guys all rip when I, I don't think they're, you know, they, I don't think they can back up their point. You're always allowed to have a different opinion on the movie, but you sort of have to try to make your point. Mm-hmm. And I think he made his point pretty well in mm-hmm. all honesty in that review. Yeah. Yeah. Very well done.
1: Do you have a Ebert one, Mr. Ebert review?
0: Well, uh, so this one's a little bit different. I do not have a Roger Ebert review. However, Gene Siskel reviewed the original film. Okay. So that, yeah, that's something we don't normally get. We always talk about Ebert. We never really talk about uh, Gene Siskel. Uh, But as far as I can tell, I couldn't find any results at all for Ebert reviewing the film in any way, shape, or form. But um, here's a quick blurb from Gene Siskel. Uh, He gave it a half a star out of four and called it a dumb film and ends unsatisfactorily without... Uh, knowing who the killer is, his motive, or whether he is dead, now, or alive. Which is true. Um, Once again, this is the only blurb I was able to find from that. Uh, Roger Ebert's reviews are all cataloged from when he started working for the Chicago Caller Times. Um, Gene Siskel doesn't get the same (laughs) treatment, apparently, because I was not able to go and find the full written review, only uh, this blurb. But the movie was incredibly poorly reviewed when it came out. Hmm. I can't stress enough. Critics really despised the movie and it was really only horror fans that elevated it over time.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the the meta sequel here we have um, two, got a 4.3 in user reviews, 66% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb. And here's our one star review. I'm from Texarkana, and I've been reading up on The Phantom Killer for quite some time, along with watching the original. I must say that I enjoyed the original better. The new one has way too much nudity. It's really graphic. You can actually see genitals. Seemed as if they focused more on that than actually getting the storyline correct. And why (laughs) were they dressed like they were in the 70s? Fair point. But the date had 2014. I don't get it. Wish they had worked a little bit harder and took the time. It could have been a great sequel. There were so many ways that they could have taken it, and for it to end the way that it did with the boyfriend being involved, they should have did more with the backstory of him, with a waste of time and money.
0: Yeah, I I can agree with with that sentiment. As for the style of dress, that's what a lower-budgeted wardrobe department will do when trying to portray a small town will have yeah, them wear clothes out of era. It but was. They, yeah, there were a couple of times I'm just like, is this a period piece? Yeah. I mean, well, because I mean, the original is a, we did mention it, it is a very much a period piece. It was shot in the seventies, but it's about a story from the forties. So this movie tries to kind of have that vibe sometimes. Um, I'm trying to now thinking about the nudity. I can only really remember um, with the soldier and his girlfriend. There's mm-hmm. a, a fairly graphic sex scene. And as a matter of fact, I know like he picks her up and like turns her over and she has to like put her hand over her crotch. To not show that and his dick, which I thought – which he's not – you couldn't see his dick. He has a cock sock on. There's no nudity. Really, there's no, hardly ever any male nudity in a, in a film, guys. A guy always has like a cock sock on, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It's just a, a sock you put over your penis. And it's so it isn't seen, it's, and it's always jet black, as dark as night, so it falls into shadow. So you really can't make out any detail on it. But she made sure to cover it up just in case. And I remembered that. I was like, yeah, because you have to be real careful just in case because you, you can't show a dick. Because that'll get you an NC-17. Even now, you know, you could still end up with an NC-17. Even though I, I didn't really consider the scene incredibly graphic. And she covers herself up mm-hmm. once the, the killing begins. If you want...
1: Prude uh, wrote that.
0: Yeah, well, no, if you <laughs> fair enough. But if you want a gratuitous scene, uh, My Bloody Valentine 3D, which we will cover. Because that's a reboot as well. That movie has a sequence where... A woman sleeps with a truck driver and then hears a noise, goes outside butt-ass naked, and has probably a five-minute chase scene completely nude. Wow. Yeah, and I remember watching this at the time like, wow, I can't believe they're actually doing this entire thing like that. She never wears clothes throughout the entire sequence. And and honestly, saying it's only five minutes, I could be underselling it. When we cover it, I'll I'll talk about it, but I've only seen it the one time. But I'll never forget that. I was like, holy shit, they are really going for broke. They're like, sure, I'll do nudity. They're like, they got their money's worth out of that actress for that. So this movie doesn't necessarily have that kind of nudity. But, you know, it it wouldn't be one of my complaints about it. I I don't think it's particularly graphic. And and even then, later in the movie, um, Addison and her love interest – they have a sex scene. She does not get naked in that as well. She just it's just in her bra and panties, I believe. Nowhere near as graphic. Yep. So yeah.
1: Well, I think that's gonna do it for us for today this time.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is uh the town that uh, dreaded sundown. I finally got the title right for the most part. Mm-hmm. Town down is how I remembered it, guys. Um, simple mnemonic device. So anyway, I hope you guys have a uh, very happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, if you're not having a happy Thanksgiving and you'd like to complain about it. Uh, I don't know why you would tell us, but if you want to, you can reach out at GrittyRebootCast at gmail.com and let us know any issue you might have. The turkey was too dry. If the stuffing wasn't to your standards.
1: Are you having turkey or ham or both?
0: You got you got to go. But we're doing both. I guarantee that. Gonna, oh, we're, yeah. We're going
1: to have a Bingham Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's going to be.
0: Yeah. Way to give out your last name. Why not give your social security number while you're at it? <laughs> That's <laughs> not my
1: last name. <gasps>
0: You oh. forget I'm married. That's right. Are you? <laughs> really? I thought you were available. I was going to ask you out to the show. <laughs> um, also, a gritty reboot at uh, Instagram, Gmail, um, Twitch, right? really anything. Substack. No, yeah. we, we don't have Substack. But it, really, anything else, uh, you can get a hold of us. We're always looking for uh, anything to talk about. This was our first fan request show. Yep. And uh, I'm glad we did it, and because I, I certainly wouldn't have gotten around to this movie as quickly as we did. But, but I'm glad we did, because it was something a little bit different. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I enjoyed... Happy to break down these two movies.
1: I enjoyed it, too.
0: Yeah. So, uh, with that being said, happy Thanksgiving, guys.
1: Bye, guys.